Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's word and consider how it applies to our lives. Thank you so much, Heidi. Um, what a great story. I mean, there is a place for each of you. This is a church where people serve, people get involved, and that's a real huge part of discipleship, of growing in Christ. And uh, we want to encourage you to do that when the phone rings and you get that opportunity and someone says, hey, could you serve once every five weeks? Um, say yes. It's an awesome time. It's an awesome blessing. And to do this ministry together is what it's really all about. Well, some people think this is a really big Sunday. Uh, it's the biggest Sunday of the year for some. And one of the reasons it's a big Sunday is it's 02022020. It's a palindrome, it's the same backwards as forwards. It's the only time it's going to happen for the next 970 some years, I believe. So it's going to be a long time before it ever happens again. So it's a big Sunday. But there's another reason it's a big Sunday. Today is the 69th wedding anniversary of Robert and Betty Gravens, and they're seated right back over. Let's give them a round of applause. Robert and Betty, the members of our church uh, for a long time. Betty actually was one of the early teachers in our little friend's ministry, and uh, they have served in multiple positions in our church, and we're so glad to have you all. And they are here and present on their sixth. This is actually the day, right? This is actually the day the 2nd of February. So great to have you with us, Robert and Betty. Huge Sunday and uh, so excited for you all to be married so many t years. And they really were married, I think, at 18 and 19. So they're not as old as you might think, right? So um, it's another reason for this a big Sunday. Today, there's a game at 630 um, down in Miami. And I think we have a couple of people who are going today from Kansas City that are here. And uh, um, it's the Super Bowl. Tonight is the Super Bowl. And it is the culmination of the, I don't know, the football year, because I think after the Super Bowl start, ends tonight, they start planning for next year, and we hear about it all year, right? This is the end of the reality series known as the NFL. Um, it's a big night, right? It's a big deal. But I think something bigger is going to happen in the next 30 minutes. With the opportunity to meet with the spirit of the living God. With the opportunity to be on a trajectory that he may want to change, and I want you to get ready, he may want to change your trajectory in the next 30 minutes. Would that be cool with you? Would that be a good thing if maybe God redirects you in a new way and takes you in a new, on a new journey with him? Well, that's what we're here to do. We want to meet with the living God when we, when we serve the elements. We say to him, Jesus, I'm, I'm in it with you. I am ready to go, to do whatever you want me to do. I'm going to be, be empowered by your spirit and by your word. So as we open God's word today, we're going to be looking at how he might want to deal with us. This year, our series and our, our theme is to make him known. And we're going to do that by knowing Jesus, by knowing others, and by making Jesus known, being intentional about making him known. Today we're going to continue the story of Jonah. Last week we talked about how Jonah, who is supposed to be God's mouthpiece, right? God's proclaimer of truth. It's how he would communicate with people back before the entire Bible was written. 
Jonah, God's man, the word comes to him. Go to Nineveh. Call out against them. Cry out and tell them that God is about to destroy. There's a huge judgment coming. But Jonah goes in the opposite direction. And he goes to Tarshish. He goes to Joppa. He goes down into a boat. And he heads 2,000 miles in the opposite direction from exactly where God wanted him to be. Have you ever done that? God, I know you want me to go here, but I want to go there. God, I, I know you want this from me, but I want that. And we head out to Tarshish, which was the end of the world at that time. Literally, as far away as you could go. That was the end of the known world. Jonah headed to Tarshish. Maybe because he was afraid of the Ninevites. Maybe because he thought it wouldn't do any good. But really, we find out in chapter 4, Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he didn't like them. In fact, he hated them, and he hoped that God would judge him. That's what he was hoping for. He did not want to go warn the Ninevites, so he heads to this place of adventure, Tarshish. This place, this exotic place where you can get away from it all, where no one would know him, where he could, he could participate in all kinds of exotic and exciting things. He's one of gets away, and this just hurts to say, he wants to get away from the presence of the Lord. From the presence of the Lord. This message today is for those of you who might be in an argument with God right now. You might be struggling with something that, that God, you know God wants you to do. You know you, he wants you to proclaim his message in a certain way, in a certain place. And you're just not really there. No matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, this can happen. Say, Jesus, this is good, but I really want to go to Tarshish. I have a right to go to Tarshish. I need to go to Tarshish. I need to go where I want to go. And God is saying, no, listen, this is where I've called you. This is what I've told you to do. So as we look at this message, I want us to consider how God's call in our life affects us, but also affects others. The title of today's message is Collateral Damage Diving. Collateral Damage Diving. Collateral damage is what happens, especially in a military operation, when they're not so surgical in their strike, and, and there are other people who are injured who are not intended to be injured. That's kind of the official definition. But collateral damage happens all the time. It's not what we meant to have happen, but it happened along with what we actually did illustration tonight in the Super Bowl. They've been planning for this for at least two weeks and much further than that, and they've, they've game-planned the entire game. And the coaches and the staff have worked out how this should go and how we're going to respond to this and how we're going to get ready for this and how we're going to respond to that. And every player has a role. Football, probably more than any other game, is about the team, and it only takes one guy to fail to do his assignment and there's lots of collateral damage, isn't there? You know what? I didn't want to cover deep, said the safety. And so they threw it over his head for a touchdown, right? The left tackle decided, you know what? I decided not to protect the backside of Patrick Mahomes, and he gets crushed, right? It's collateral damage because someone decided they didn't want to do their job. So today, as we look at Jonah... I want us to consider the collateral damage that happens 
when we head to Tarshish instead of Nineveh. When we do what sounds exciting rather than what God has called us to do. Look with me, Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. The Bible says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. So here's Jonah, he's taken off, and what does God say? He says, listen, I'm about ready to break this ship that you're on your way uh, to Tarshish in. God takes Jonah literally to the breaking point. Can you imagine being in this ship in the middle of the Mediterranean? Can you imagine this? suddenly this storm comes up, and you can hear the timbers start to creak, and you can feel the, the boat get pitched this way and that in some kind of a wild, irregular pattern. And you start to think, I don't know if this boat's going to hold together. That's what the mariners were thinking at the time. Their, their ship is about to break up. It's the power of God manifest, happening in a real way. Jonah's on his way somewhere else, but God acts using a storm to deal with Jonah. But if you're on that boat, you're thinking, wait a minute, I'm I'm just trying to deal with the weather. And these guys were no doubt very experienced seamen, probably Syrophoenician, and they were headed to their port of of, in Spain called Tarshish, and they're experienced. They know how to deal with weather. They know how to do with storms. But they're thinking, this is an incredibly bad storm. What is happening? And they start to wonder themselves, is there a God involved here? They start to think, this is really, really bad. And they reach their breaking point. And Jonah is about to reach his breaking point. How far does God have to take us before we start to wonder if it's him involved? How far does he have to take us before we reach our breaking point? Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The mariners are struggling while Jonah is sleeping. It's an interesting view. The mariners are saying, this is terrible. We've got to act. We've got to do whatever we can to deal with this storm. And so they begin to throw their cargo overboard, which means they're going to lose money on this voyage. They begin to cry out to their gods. That's how bad it's getting. They've got to do everything they possibly can. They're afraid. You may ask, well, were their gods actually do anything for them? Do they have, do their gods have any power? Well, they obviously thought so. So the mariners are are at their wit's end. But Jonah's asleep. Jonah's asleep. It seems that Jonah has given up his role as God's mouthpiece, and he's gone down and he's found himself a hammock or something. I don't know how you sleep in that kind of storm. Maybe he's just so frustrated and so exhausted from from dealing with God, and he says, I want to, I'm tired of being his mouthpiece, and I'm just exhausted. And he lays down in the bottom of the ship and he goes to sleep. All the while, this ship 
is in an incredible storm. You know, Jonah's not alone in this, is he? Sometimes when God's people are running from him, we can fall asleep and not even realize what's happening to everyone around us spiritually. People are crying out for God for what's, to deal with what's happening in their lives, and God's people can be asleep in the bottom of the boat and not even aware of what's happening. And that's the picture in verse 5. Verse 6, I love this. So the captain came, or in Hebrew, it's the chief rope wrangler. I love that term, you know, because in those days, everything was about rope. And the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Hey, Jonah, we're all having a massive prayer meeting out here. I don't know what you're doing, but you need to start calling out to your God, Jonah. Can you imagine? This is supposed to be God's man. And a pagan is saying, hey, would you start praying? Has anybody ever come to you and said, hey, would you pray for me in the workplace, maybe? Hey, would you, would you pray for me? Share their story. Would you pray for me? Here's Jonah, who is oblivious, who doesn't even care about everybody else. And the captain comes and, Jonah, cry out to your God. Those words must have stung in his ears. Those are almost the identical words he heard from God about going to Nineveh. Jonah, arise, go to Nineveh and cry out against them. The captain says, Jonah, arise, cry out to your God. Jonah's starting to think, this is, this is getting too weird. This may be God's hand. And maybe this is God's hand of grace right here. Speaking through a pagan captain, Jonah, arise, cry out to your God. And you wonder what Jonah was thinking. Did he think that he could just ride off into the sunset? Did Jonah think that God's assignment was optional? Did he think he could just choose and he could just pick and choose which ones he wanted to do and which ones he didn't want to do? Do you think that Jonah just thought, you know what, I can just do whatever I want. I've done enough for God. Now I'm going to do what I want to do for Jonah. That ever run through your mind? You know, I've done enough for you, Lord, and now I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's really what Jonah is doing. He's running off to do what he wants. See, what God wanted to do was too hard, too scary, and he didn't even like those people. But what, what Jonah wanted to do was to go and just take the rest of his life off. Here's the thing. When someone who belongs to God runs from God, they take their identity with them. If you're a child of God, you're always a child of God. When you have an assignment, you always have an assignment. Cry out to your God, Jonah. Maybe he will listen and maybe he will hear. Maybe he will care. Verse 7 and 8. And the mariners, they, they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? 
What is your country? And of what people are you? See, the mariners, they were really into the supernatural. They were. And I need to tell you that the supernatural world is real, right? There are spirits out there. There are powers, and you need to be careful with this. There is one true God. There is one Holy Spirit, but there's a lot of evil spirits, and they do have a measure of power, so be very careful about this. If you open the door to that, you open the door to the enemy and his ability to occupy your mind, if you will. They, they decide, you know what? This storm is too weird. It's too bad. It's too strong. We're going to cast lots to see who the problem is. And casting lots was a lot like rolling dice. Casting lots, they'd have two pebbles, and there would be a dark-colored side and a light-colored side, and you would cast these two. It's like casting dice. You'd roll them, and if two light colors came up, it was a yes. If two dark colors came up, it was a no. If you had a light and a dark, it was a, hey, we got to roll again. And so they would do that for each person. It's really like throwing dice, even and odd, right? It comes up even, it's a yes, odd, it's a no. And uh, so that's, that's how they would cast lots to see who was the problem. And Jonah comes up as the problem. I know what you're thinking. Has God spoken through gambling? I know that's what you're thinking. So y'all are going to head down to the hard rock. I want you to get a picture of what's really happening here. And it's, it's incredibly sad. God's communicator is in the boat. But he's given up his job. God would like to speak through his man, but he cannot because his man is asleep in the boat. And when he does wake up, he doesn't really want to be God's communicator anymore. So the mariners... And the people around us, they're rolling dice to see what God might want. That's how bad people want to hear from God. So no, it's not a good idea to roll dice to determine God's will. Right? It does happen occasionally in the Word. But know this, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you already have the Holy Spirit within you. See, it should be your natural experience to know what God wants. Oh, and by the way, we've got all this that Jonah didn't have. Are there people around you who need to hear the word of God, but you're running to Tarshish? You're not interested in being that mouthpiece. You're interested in everything else. And so people are rolling dice to find out what to do. Now, God is gracious enough in this experience, and he wants them to know, yeah, it's Jonah. It's Jonah. So he does use it in this case to point out, Jonah, you are the problem. And they, they ask him, they start pelting him with questions. See, they believe that they have found out who the man is. Because you can imagine, there had to be at least six, eight, ten, or twelve of them, and the only one that came up yes was Jonah. So they're pretty confident, Jonah, you are the problem. I would think the next line would say, off with his head, right? If it's a good pirate movie, you know, walk the plank. We're sick of you. But what do they say? They go, who are you? Where do you come from? What's your country? What people are you? 
I love what Jonah says. He says, I'm a Hebrew, verse 9. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. It's interesting, Jonah doesn't forget who he is. I'm a Hebrew. I'm one of God's people. I'm supposed to be displaying the greatness of God to the world. I fear, or that word is the same word in Hebrew, as I worship the Lord, Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Interesting, he would say the sea and dry land, right? Because the sea is what's killing him right now. And these mariners would likely be worship, worshipers of the god uh, Baal Shaman, who was known to be the Lord of the heavens. So what Jonah is saying to them, I know the real Lord of the heavens. That's who I worship. I worship him. And he made the sea and the dry land. And watch what they say in verse 10. And the men were exceedingly afraid. And they said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing for the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Now they know the whole story, right? Now they know that Jonah is with them. The God that he worships is after him. This is really, really bad. Now we get it. Now we understand all that's happening. And here's Jonah causing the storm. And now Jonah finds his voice. They say to him, what shall we do? Verse 11, that the sea may quiet down for us, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up. Now he is speaking truth. Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, that the sea will quiet and the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Here's Jonah saying, look, guys, just be honest with you. You're going to need to throw me overboard. It's interesting that Jonah doesn't just jump in the water. Isn't it? You know, you kind of think, well, I'm the problem, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to dive. I'm going I'm to take off here. Um, you guys hope things work out. No, Jonah tells them to throw him overboard, which is interesting. I think what he's trying to say is you need to volitionally believe what God has said. You need to volitionally believe what God has said. You need to throw me overboard, and the sea will calm down. Jonah has found his voice again. You may say, well, Steve, that sounds like suicide. That's what that sounds like to me. But we'll see that's not really suicide. It's actually Jonah saying, I'm going to allow you to throw me into the arms of God and be completely at his mercy. He's saying to them, even though Jonah didn't want to get in this place, even though Jonah didn't want to get thrown into the water, even though this was never his plan, he was resistant to the whole thing, what he's saying is one person needs to die for all of you because we're all going down. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound a little bit familiar? See, Jesus Christ came lived a perfect life, was made fun of, was tortured, was crucified, was killed, died, and buried. One man died so that we could live because we're all going down without him. 
Jonah finds his voice. I'm going to have to sacrifice. I'm going to have to die so that you all can live. I love the mariner's response. They're thinking, uh, that sounds good. Here's a couple problems. One is we're going to show up without somebody we left with. That's going to be bad, right? That's going to be bad. Uh, that's going to be all over Twitter. It's just like every time anything happens on a cruise ship, it's all over Twitter. They lost somebody. Someone didn't come back. I don't know what happened. There was a virus. Um, that's going to be bad. Or maybe they didn't really care about that because, hey, it's 2,000 miles from where they took off, and there really isn't any good way to communicate ahead of them, so no one's going to know anyway. Who cares if we show up without Jonah? But they're probably thinking, this God that Jonah serves is really powerful. He's really powerful. And if we throw his man into the water, what's to say he doesn't just go ahead and wipe us out anyway? So they make one last effort, and they try to row to shore, and they cannot make it. And so then in verse 14, they have another type of prayer meeting. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. It sounds like Jesus on the cross, doesn't it? O Lord, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. There's a sense of the sovereignty of God that they've suddenly come to understand. You really are in control. Your will cannot be thwarted. We're going to do what we got to do, but we really would rather not do this. Please don't blame us for this. Verse 15. So they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows. Once Jonah took a dive to minimize collateral damage, people worshiped God. I want you to get that in your mind. Once Jonah said, I'm going to die so that others can live. Once he died, he gave up his right to live. The ocean calmed down. And people began to worship the one true God. Let me ask you. Do you need to take a dive? Do you need to take a dive to stop collateral damage? You say, well, Steve, what do you mean by collateral damage? I don't know if I'm really affecting people. I'm not on a boat. No, but I'm not a prophet of God. I'm I'm just an usher or a Bible study teacher, a security guy, or just some guy who stumbled in off the street. What's the big deal? No one expects anything. Listen, let me just give you some collateral damage. Maybe you're the actor. You act like God is the God of the universe. You act like Jesus is Lord. You you say all the right things, but you never really get to Nineveh, you know? You never really come to the place where you're in position to share the good news of Jesus. You never really even represent him well at home. And your kids grow up thinking that God's someone who can be deceived. That's collateral damage. Or maybe you're the bargainer. You know what the bargainer is. The bargainer is the one that says, well, God, I I did this last night, but I went to church tonight. So by golly, it all kind of evens out, doesn't it, Lord? And your coworkers say, well, I guess God is someone who can be bought off. That's collateral damage. 
Or maybe you're the sleeper, and you're asleep in the bottom of the boat. And the whole world is going on around you, and you really don't have any connection with anybody. And your friends are rolling dice to know what to do next. Folks, that's collateral damage. Or maybe you're the wrestler. And you constantly wrestle with God. Am I going to do what you want me to do today? Or am I going to do something else? And you're never really all that thrilled about God. And your spouse is going, man, I don't think this God is a very joyful person. That's collateral damage. Let me ask you. Do you want to eliminate collateral damage? Do you want people to know God? Do you want people to know Jesus? Let me tell you, wherever you are, you're the Jonah there. If you're creating this, if God is dealing with you with a storm, there's people who are suffering because of you. There are people who are missing Jesus because you are refusing to die to some things. Let's just talk about a few of those things. You need to die to your right to sin. Say, well, Steve, I don't think I have a right to sin, really. Well, some people will say, you know what? I've lived this way long enough. Now I want to sin, so I wanted to have all the fun that I needed to have. I missed my rest of my life, right? God, I'm pretty good most of the time, but I have a right to sin. I'm not going to be perfect, so I kind of just give myself a pass in this area. Listen, that's going to cause collateral damage. Maybe it's not overt sin, or maybe say, you know what? I have a right to do what I want to do. I've earned that. Really? What did Jesus earn exactly? He's called you to Nineveh. Are you still heading to Tarshish? You know what? I I have a right to like who I want to like and hate who I want to hate. Really? See, none of us deserve the love of Jesus. But his command is to love me with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. When we stand up for our rights, often we create collateral damage. And yes, if you're going to be his representative, you're going to have to die to some things that you feel like you deserve. Right? You're going to have to say, I will give up my right in order for you to know Jesus. I'm going to give up my right to not have to deal with the pain or the difficulty or the challenges or the the fear of going to Nineveh because I want you to know him. Are you answering the call to Nineveh? Or are are you on your way to Tarshish? That's the question for the believer today. Some of you may say, well, Steve, I've never believed Jesus in that way. I, I, I don't really get that. See, Jesus is the one who died intentionally so that we could live. And the way that you take advantage of that is you repent of your sin. And by faith, you ask him to give you that gift of salvation. If you haven't done that, I would love, love, love to talk with you after the service. Be outside, out these double doors to the right. Love to talk with you about that. But for many of you, you've been on that journey for a while, and maybe you're struggling, and you're in that constant argument with God. Let me tell you, that argument is causing collateral damage. You may not see it, 
You may not even know about it, but I can tell you it's happening. Because wherever you are, wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you exist, God is wanting to use you as his mouthpiece. Not to win debates, not to get in everyone's face, but to love people as he loved and to be ready to share with those who are ready to roll dice to know what God wants. Will you put an end to collateral damage? Will you commit today to make him known? Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.